0: the incomparable number 581 september 2021
1: welcome back everybody to the incomparable i'm your host jason snell and this is the end of the summer of spielberg a theme that we've been running for the last couple of months that I decided, I guess I get really sucked in by the alliteration of it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's cover lots of Steven Spielberg movies, not all of them, but the ones that sort of fit within our charter. And hanging out there in the distance as a threat, as a warning, was what if I looked for my white whale? What if I, what, what if I dared to discuss a movie that is beloved in the hearts of people who were a kid when it came out widely disliked by the critics of the time and uh i hated it hated 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 it and have not revisited it since uh complex feelings do we dare touch the third rail of steven spielberg movies 1991's hook and And what I want to say now is, no, we're not going to do it good night, everybody, but that's not true. We are going to do it. We're going to talk about Hook. Um, I did watch it for the second time in preparation for this. And you know what? It's really long. It's two hours and 22 minutes long. Joining me, people who also did the homework, and for that alone, I salute them are the following wonderful panelists? Kathy Campbell is here. Kathy. Hello:
2: Hello, Jason. Thank you for doing this movie.
1: Uh, Well, you're welcome. We'll see how it goes. Annette Weirster is here. Hello.
3: Hello. Um, Excuse me. I just have to answer my cell phone. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm.
1: Ask it how it feels uh, to fly. Uh, John McCoy is back with us. Hello.
4: Hello. This is going to be a wonderful adventure.
1: Hmm um we could talk about peter pan a little bit too i suppose you're putting you're putting me in the mind of uh not quite sophomore lit but you're putting me in the mind of classic literature and um uh, moises Chuyan also joins us hi moises jason i'm worried that people
5: are going to think you're just a mean old man without a mommy
1: uh you know <laughs> that's yeah this is part of the, my concern okay let's just start with this i had i saw hook in 1991 and thought wow That's everything I don't like about Steven Spielberg. And I'm going to come back to that because having watched a lot of Spielberg movies this summer, I feel like Hook is actually a pretty good distillation of what I consider his worst traits as a director. (laughs) Um, But what I've discovered over the years is I have met lots of people who are younger than me by 10, 15 years who I think saw Hook when they were kids And they have this fondness for it. And the first time I met somebody who expressed their love of it, I think it might be Casey Liss, I I literally thought they were kidding. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) Seriously? They're like, oh, yeah, I love Hook. I'm like, how is that possible? But I do think that there must be at least a little bit of a generational uh, aspect to this story because it's happened too many times now that I've run into somebody who was a kid when Hook. originally came out or was then on video after that. And they're always the ones who say nice things about it. So Kathy, explain yourself.
2: (laughs) Gladly. Uh, so I, as I watched this movie, I could distinctly remember every beat of the film because I watched it so many times. I was nine when it came out. Um, I, the the Disney Peter Pan movie was fine. I preferred the play because I thought it was so cool that they always had a woman play Peter Pan. Like, that was really, really neat to me. But this kind of was the first really deep Peter Pan story that I really experienced. And on top of that, you have this ideal, I mean, it, the... Best game of make-believe ever exists in this movie. Um, It's extravagant. It's over the top. It's exactly like you would play in your backyard. Um, And it has a bad guy who's not really a bad guy, but he's totally a bad guy, and he's going to get eaten in a (laughs) hilarious way. Um, it, It has humor, but it also has that part because... So I was nine... Uh, when this movie came out and my dad was very present, very there. He was, you know, part of my life and all of that. But he did have a cell phone and he did have to take calls. He was also a volunteer fireman, so he would have to leave sometimes because there was a fire. And so that that very low level presence and awareness of, oh, my dad's here, but he's not really here. Totally. Totally triggered a little bit of my brain Um, and it just was a joyful ride and because it was two hours and 22 minutes if you got to start watching it later and your parents didn't know how long it was you could stay up past your bedtime and that was really cool.
5: I would echo that Uh, I was also in elementary school And the thing that I found fascinating about it was that it was it was like a Twilight Zone for kids, a what if um, extension of an existing myth that I knew. I knew Mm -hmm. the animated Peter Pan Um, and my dad when I was when I was younger, he literally the, the, the reason the movie is so sentimentally important for me is my dad missed baseball games because he had to go and work in Miami running a business. And he was away for long stretches of time. And and that got me as a kid watching it as an adult. Oh, boy, are there a dozen different problematic things that I think when <laughs> I was a kid, I also noted were not so great and have definitely not aged well. Um, you know, like uh, romanticizing the notion of kissing people while they're unconscious. Mm. Um, yeah. But the... the there are other things that I mean, one of the reasons that Dante Bosco as a performer is so beloved is not just his performances as Prince Zuko and Avatar The Last Airbender, but it's his performance as Rufio. And for me as a kid, I'm not Filipino, but I'm Latino and Asian. And seeing a prominent, cool character who was in the same ballpark, as it were, as my ethnic mix was something I literally did not see in anything else
2: major crash on rufio major mm-hmm. mad crash on him for sure
1: so i i this is okay so it sounds like there's definitely this aspect to it um i am fascinated by this because in watching it now i tried to watch it and think okay let's think about this as a kids movie and the problem i have with it is i don't think it makes sense as a kids movie in 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 this way which is a lot of the themes here are about about grownups losing their connection to childlike things, right? Like the, the the idea here is that Peter Pan has gone away from Neverland and grown up and become a middle-aged dad who is more focused on, he's a lawyer and he's focused on business deals and he has a cell phone, which is the greatest crime of a dad in 1991 <laughs> could have. And I just, one of the things in in thinking about it from a, a perspective of a kid's movie is I I find it a little bit baffling because the themes seem to be, it's like a kid's movie about being middle-aged and I'm not quite sure who that movie (laughs) is for. And that's the part that, that, like, there are moments where I'm like, okay, I see. I see what this is going, going for for a kid's movie. But, like, the fact that it's bound up in this whole idea of Robin Williams as a you know fallen <laughs> fallen angel <laughs> the
2: fallen child
1: uh yeah who has mm-hmm. become the you know a, a a lawyer and a business dealer kind of guy with a cell phone and that he has to he has to reconnect with his kids like that's an interesting story arc but it's also a much more kind of adult oriented story than i would think he would see in a kids movie so i found that kind of very strange Uh, as well, like, like they, the, and a lot of the reviews at the time I know were were basically saying, well, like, why didn't you just remake the Peter Pan story? Why are you telling this sort of sequel? That's also about mortality and being middle-aged and being a parent when you're also trying to tell a a kid's movie. So that, that I definitely felt that because I, I, I found it a bit of a head scratcher when I rewatched it.
2: I I wonder if part of that has to do with this idea of trying to make a movie for children and for their parents. Um, This was... I mean, obviously, I was little, so I don't really fully understand this whole, like, period of movies. But I know... I remember that there was the summer Disney movie that came out, and that was about it. And having... This as not a cartoon, but was something that you could take your kids to. But hadn't, Steven Spielberg didn't quite have it figured out yet, but I mean, clearly the kids that watched it, we freaking loved it. Yeah, clearly. So it kind of worked, but... Maybe not, but it at least was entertaining enough for the adults I mean, to w- kind of be like, "I'll never turn out like that" or whatever. I, I want
1: to give it credit because kids loved it, but I also remember that I loved Scooby Doo when I was a kid, and I watched some of those, and they're terrible, right? As an adult, so <laughs> so like I, it works yes. on kids, doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that it's good or bad. Oh yeah, because no, hundred percent. <laughs> but but not everything works on kids, so it deserves credit for working. So does
5: high fructose corn syrup, but that doesn't make
1: it good. <laughs>
5: yeah, uh, I, to to draw a corollary to Ready Player. One, I think going back to your point, Jason, about about there being a culmination of the things that you dislike about Spielberg. This is similar to Ready Player One. It is Spielberg having a very personal thesis that is like a writer friend of yours going, no, I've got this great idea. Let me explain it to you. And um, that's a great signal to run for the hills. I say as a writer who has said that (laughs) to people Um, who's like, no, 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 you don't get it. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to frame it as an extension of the Peter Pan myth where. Middle aged people with kids will be able to relate to it. Kids will be able to relate to it because there's kids stuff. And it's all about how you need to embrace your imagination and just believe in the possibility of like what's possible because that's a good way to live your life. So it's also going to be two and a half hours long. And it's going to be great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it. I think like that is sort of the thing at the time. I remember uh-huh. when a lot of those Disney cartoons came out and I was going to university and still going to those Disney movies yeah. because they were funny. They hit the sort of oh, yeah. adult themes. were still charming with kids. And that's that's when I watched the movie. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I think that's what it's trying to do. It's just missing the mark on the adults. Yeah. Because it there are elements when i'm like i i remember this movie really well i'm like i must have seen this movie more than once cuz i remember the beats and i'm wondering why but uh i i just don't I, yeah i was like it i can see the elements and i think i watched it with like little nieces and nephews i worked at a daycare for for at that time so i was probably watching it with kids and I think you know I can see why all those elements are super fun, but also watching it from you know my very adult lens now, going like, yeah, there's it's fine. No, it's not really fine. It's okay. <laughs> I mean,
5: it, it, to to draw it back to childhood it is like when you would go to the soda fountain and and make yourself what we would call a suicide, where you just get a little bit of everything, oh, man. throw Plastic. it all into one cup, and you're like, aren't I cool? I could survive <laughs> all of those sodas at the same time.
4: Survive, I'm a legend is the right word. to
1: all of you now. Mm-hmm. John, uh, haven't heard from you about uh, this. How you doing? How how to go? Good,
4: great, great. I, 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 I two points. One, one. Thanks, thanks for bringing up *Sophomore Lit* because by very strange coincidence, early on the summer, I had already arranged to do *Peter Pan* as one of my books. Uh, it's going to be coming out in another couple of weeks here, so it was an odd experience watching this after having just read *Oh My God* uh, the book <laughs> wow. again. But but but. I want to say a little bit, you know, I was in grad school when this came out. And so and I and (laughs) And you wrote a thesis about it. (laughs) Right. And worse, I was I was in the humanities. So my mind was full of early 90s uh, literary theory at this time. And uh, I just want to point out this. This movie came out like two years after uh, Tim Burton's Batman and it came out. Uh, mm-hmm. the same year as the Adams family remake. And so what was happening in the early nineties was there was a lot of this kind of revisionist postmodernist. You couldn't just do the story. You had to have a take on it. You had to, you had to do something ironic with it. You had to do something, you know, silly with it. I think the, the this was early on when people were still figuring out what that meant. This wasn't like a few years later, you would have like the Brady Bunch movie or something like that. Um, but, the f- the funny thing about Peter Pan for me is Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland are two Victorian kids books that modern readers like to say, oh, those Victorians, they were really weird. You know, look at that. Look at this stuff. It's 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 all weird. And it's got all these 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 strange, spooky things in it that kids shouldn't be exposed to. And it's got all these weird union archetypes and it's got like really kinky stuff in it. But the thing is if you actually read the original things they were the Victorians were very self-aware and Barry himself was very very self-aware the book itself if you read it in book form i mean it was a play first but then it was a novel uh, Barry knew what he was doing and and he and he wrote a book that was meant to be read by adults to kids but it was full of weirdness and there, there's like a point at the very beginning of Peter Pan. I just, I, I'm going to, I'm going to quote just a, a short line here where he's talking about Neverland, and he says that each of the characters, Michael, Wendy, and John, each have a different version of Neverland. Because they're different kids, they had they imagined a different thing. And then at the end of this paragraph where he describes what Netherland is like from each of the kids' points of view, he says, On these magic shores, children play children at play are forever beseeching their coracles or are forever beaching their coracles. We too have been there. We can still hear the sound of the surf, though we shall know we shall land no more. So he's talking to grown ups here. Mm-hmm. In in a book for kids, he is addressing the grown-ups. So, um, so I guess I, it, think, I guess it fits then. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> but, but what I think is what I think is weird about this is I feel like um, Barry had a had a, had a P- Peter Pan is a weird book. I'm not going to deny it, and it's a strange and it's it's but it takes a very nuanced and complicated view about what it means to grow up and whether it's a tragedy that we grow up. Or whether it's good that we grow up, or whether you know we have the tragedy is if you never grow up. Um, it, it's it's a it's a complicated book that way. This movie does not take a complicated view of this. It, the movie, um, grown up Peter is just a jerk. Uh huh. And he's a jerk to everyone around him. And you know he's a jerk because he has a cell phone. And. <laughs> yeah it reminded me of the fact that in the early nineties, that was all it took to indicate that someone was a jerk on film was that they had a cell phone. You know, today everybody, you know, has a, a, a smartphone from the time that they're two years old, but back then heaven help you. If you, if you had a cell phone. in Or I mean, you were, you were the coolest guy in school. (laughs) Morris, Right. Right. But, but the, but the point of the film is like that, Peter has to reconnect with his childhood wonder or something.
1: I, I mean, it, well, I, I think, I think you're right. It, it, it does sort of try to have it both ways, but it can't. And, and that's where I, I made a note early on when I, when they get to wonderland, where or, sorry, never neverland, see there we are the Victorians uh, when we get Wrong there are no, there are no white rabbits in this uh, they get never neverland and there 's the, that moment where the kids are all around and they 're like let 's play let 's play, we play forever, play, 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 and I think to myself, oh my God, this is like a horror movie, right because, <laughs> yes. because if you think logically about like childhood because if it 's a metaphor it 's like our childhood always stays with us, and you want to stay in touch with your inner child it 's one thing, but if you take it literally as this is a place where time never passes and that you stay a child forever. And all you ever do is play as a child. It's actually kind of horrifying. But then when when Peter gets there, he, basically he gets bonked on the head, literally by baseball, gets bonked on the head. And then he uh, then he kind of learns how to get it, to get it together. And then at, at the very end of the movie, they have to like elbow him and say, you have kids. You can't stay here. You have to actually go back and live your life. And the movie is kind of like, oh yeah, right. Uh, no, and but then he, he could go- stay there and make out with various women <laughs> yeah. in <Right>. various contexts. <laughs> and, and
0: then you know,
1: you know, all of the, uh, all of the uh, mermaids in Never Neverland uh, wear color. Coordinated eyeshadow for whatever the color of their fin is. Did you know that? Well, did you notice yeah, that? Right. Yeah, so the, know, I did. Very so, I think it's great that they have uh, a, a
5: an active sex work industry in Never Never Land too. Apparently.
1: So so the the to to John's point, John, I think I think that's the moment where I thought, oh, this movie really doesn't know what to do with these themes because it's sort of like, oh, but but we're not telling that story. We're telling the story of an adult, and and it's like very quickly. I mean, I don't think it even makes much of an attempt to be like, well, what this movie really is about is getting in touch with your inner child and being like, they're like, okay, well, then he goes back, I guess. And it's like, yeah. all right, I, I guess I, I felt like that, that could have been, I feel like there's not a lot of connective tissue kind of carrying these characters along. I know that they want Peter to be extremely awful in the beginning. He's a he's a bad dad, uh, cell phone dad. Uh, and he sends somebody to VHS record his kid's baseball game and all of that. And I, I, w- I was thinking I kind of would be more interested if it literally was Peter Pan as an adult and that he was more Robin Williams character from other movies like where he's a little more flighty <laughs> and a little more. Uh, free spirited, and he's sort of the yeah. adult version of Peter Pan. I think that I, I thought, well, that would be kind of interesting, but instead, it's like <laughs> he's forgotten all of it, and and is awful. I don't know. I, I like thematically, it's a very uh, it's a hodgepodge. I'm I'm of two minds about it, and I think part, uh, part of the reason that I
5: that I end up tending more positive is because I think as a hodgepodge, it's complicated. Like people are complicated, and as as much as the movie would like to didactically go, this is exactly you know, this, this is precisely what we are trying to get across. Uh, it it lets him be a bit messy. Um, and, and on the one hand I go, I would like a whole movie of once the, the, um, the never aging boy, uh, persona emerges, um, that kind of performance from Robin Williams. I'd like a whole movie of that. At the same time, I think about the, the character journey of it and at least Looking at it now as a middle-aged person, uh, when I first saw it as a child, um, I, my my feeling on watching that progression of of watching that, embracing the joy of of a lack of complication, I like that. But then there are a bunch of. Weird, gross, and odd things that are tied onto it. Like, I mean, his daughter just kind of disappears for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, well,
1: she's in the net. It's very <laughs> she's in the net. She can't be mm-hmm. heard in the in the. Net. I think I think one of the things that troubles me the most talking about about Robin Williams' character and about Peter's uh, progression and the idea that in, in the book there's it's a magical childhood, never Neverland, and then and then he comes back to it. Is those scenes when he sort of reclaims his Peter Pan-ness, I find kind of weird. Because it's like he's in a strange state of arrested development. He kind of is a middle-aged man acting like a little boy. And I can't tell whether the movie... I mean, it's supposed to be a victory in the movie. And yet, again, I read it as being kind of sad. Because he's
0: he's not. You
1: know know what's important in life, Jason?
5: A lack of consequences
1: for things.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I was talking about this with uh, my wife, Marina. And she made an interesting point, which was... When... There's there's a difference with adults playing with kids when they are adults playing with kids you know you you can roll around on the floor with a kid and say you know i'm the big bad wolf whatever but you're recognizably an adult playing with a kid what happens here is williams becomes an adult who thinks he's a kid playing with kids and that feels wrong yeah,
2: yeah. and he for gets that he's an adult. There's that whole part where he seems to like be in a strange fugue state of not remembering his children and the entire life that he lived before. It's like Never Neverland takes away the story of real life, even though clearly not enough because when Peter was little, he would go to London what, every year? How, every so often, and have enough and follow, I It just, the, the yep. choices that were made don't seem purposeful.
1: Let me take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by privacy.com. You know, we all are worried when we're given that little prompt to fill in with our credit card number is this going to get stored insecurely? Is it going to get leaked? Are they going to charge me more than they think? What's going to happen? Privacy solves this problem. It's a tool that makes it easy for you to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. It lets you generate virtual credit cards with virtual numbers that mask your bank information. You never have to worry about giving out your precious credit card information to people you don't know online. I have used it. I signed up for an account. It was super easy. I linked it to my bank account. I generated a card, first card out of the gate. You can, you know, connect it to all sorts of different things, uh, limited by person, you know, who's gonna charge you, uh, have it monitor how much gets expended on the card every month. Just take back control of your payments using a tool like, like privacy. It's easy. So decide who you can charge on your card, how much they can charge, how often they can charge. And of course, because these are virtual cards, you just close them when you're done, when you don't want them anymore, and they vanish without you having to get a new card in the mail and all of those things that we go through. Plus, you can make sure you're never accidentally billed twice, upgraded to a service without your consent. It's partnered with the good people over at 1Password, so if you're a 1Password user like me, you can create, use, and save privacy cards direct within 1Password right in the dashboard. All virtual cards you create in 1Password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. You can set spending limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards. It's all there whenever you want. Go to privacy.com incomparable and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchase. Go to privacy.com incomparable today to sign up. And thank you to privacy for supporting the incomparable i I'll tell you though one of the things that's happening here is they th- that one of the big ideas of this movie and casting Robin Williams is imagine Robin Williams as Peter Pan, yeah, and the problem with mm-hmm. that is I think these scenes in the middle well, it's toward the end, but it's it's at the point where he's in in sort of a transition from being not Peter Pan to being Peter Pan but not yet sort of picking up his adult responsibilities that his kids are there and his wife is waiting back in London and all of that like I think it might have been more effective if he like transformed into baby Peter Pan again and like could go back and was maybe even tempted. I mean, I don't know. Temptation of Peter Pan. Maybe we've gone too far here. But that, that my point is, like. <laughs> but you're never going to do that. You're never going to show him as a kid because the whole point is that he's Robin Williams is Robin, in this yeah. movie. And so instead you get this very uneasy thing where he, I mean, he's supposed to be a bad dad because he didn't go to his kid's. Uh, baseball game but now he's that he's peter pan it's supposed to be a victory but he's completely forgotten that his kids exist (laughs) well you know
4: I'll, i'll defend that for one thing which is in the original story uh that's that's a plot point is that michael and john start to forget their parents and wendy has to remind them what their mother looks like and so there is this idea in the story that neverland will take away your right. memory of the real life i think that throughout this movie they make a lot of these little feints to say look we read that we read the book you know they, <laughs> they keep they keep quoting these these things you know the, the the violent sinister man you know the the whole to die would will be an awfully big adventure these 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 lines from the book they're, they're trying to show yeah we we're we're being faithful in some way to we the get source the homework but they but they, they don't really because the, the original book the original book and the original play their the title of those is actually Peter Pan and Wendy. And the the conflict in Peter Pan and Wendy is not mostly between Peter Pan and Hook. It's between Peter Pan and Wendy because while these books were about the Victorian cult of childhood, they were also about the Victorian cult of motherhood. Yes and the idea that hmm. Wendy was going to be the civilizing aspect. I mean, one of the really gross things about the book, of course, is that they associate childhood with savagery. Right. And they specifically with Native Americans uh, and pirates. And and that that if you're in a state of childhood, you are in a state of absolute, you know, uh, lack of civilization. And that Wendy is the civilizing force that will bring Peter and the lost boys and even the pirates because there's a point in the book where the pirates say we'll make Wendy our, our mother too uh into into good good citizens and and what's what's completely missing from this, this is uh is Wendy you know she's she's yeah. there you know and she's and goodbye you know Maggie Smith you know have have fun and she's gone for most of the movie there is nothing to compare to that there is there is Tinkerbell who gets to have a sort of a redemption in this uh, because she's the one who takes Peter to Neverland to save his, his kids. As you'll recall in the original Peter Pan, she was the one who wanted to get Wendy killed. Um, but yeah. so, so now she's, she gets to have her like uh, character uh, growth, I guess, by the fact that she, but, but but again, it makes no for sense. Literal
0: character growth, Literal
4: character
5: growth, exactly. John, like I think you've hit at the crux of uh, you know for me personally, nostalgically, the movie means certain things to me. Um, but when when it when it comes down to this as an adaptation of the of the why make this why make this movie this way adapting this material. If, if the interest was in telling a story about the themes that, um, you know, they, they hit a few of at times and then contradicted themselves in other places with, um, why, not, why not just uh, make allusions to the source material, then go, you know what we need to do is we need to make the basis of our story a Victorian, very boy-centric thing, wherein um, uh, female gendered people are only mothers or love interests. And let's uh, let's 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 try to bolt some things onto that and and see what we can do to do something interesting while still being incredibly deeply referential to the source material that um, by the time they made this was a hundred years out of date. (laughs) Um, And to to me, it's it's not that I don't have um, a a, an appreciation and respect for the things about the Peter Pan myth that I enjoy. Um, But looking at it, looking at it. From my adult perspective, um, it has the same problem as a lot of things from around the same era, not just things that were adapting existing properties, existing media, that sort of thing, um, but that just felt like they had to work within the trappings of vaguely Victorian era story tropes right. um, and that that everywhere they could have turned the other direction. Well, it was still technically OK to do, you know, the 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 thing that makes people feel kind of icky.
3: But what if you did that, as Jason said earlier, and lean into it as a horror movie? <laughs> <And> like <laughs> that, that those elements that he's being sucked into, like sort of the savagery of childhood or being caught in childhood or forgetting everything that matters to you ultimately, like your children and your family and your job, and you get sucked into that as a horror theme. And also like those old fashioned sort of tropes. Like, could work as, uh... Horror. That, that abduction,
1: the, 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 the kids have been abducted thing is straight up horror. It's, yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, I, there's a version of, of this story that as again, as I do sometimes when I'm watching a movie that I'm not particularly enjoying, I'm imagining other versions of it. And one of them is where the story is that Peter basically needs to go back for the lost boys and rescue them from being trapped in eternal childhood because that is a fate worse than death mm-hmm. and that they should be back out in the real world where they're able to grow up. And live a life instead of being perpetually um, playing, which, again, I feel like is kind of horrifying. Uh, but that's not the story that, that again, I, I think this story is probably base, basically a, an elevator pitch that had to be turned into a movie where it really is like Robin Williams is Peter Pan all grown up and he has to go back to Neverland. I was like, oh, OK, here's the, here's your money. Let me write the check. Make that and then movie. And the executive went, <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, sounds great. So, Good. Sign it. <laughs> I'll throw, uh, so, so, John, you mentioned that the title is is actually Peter Pan and Wendy. And I was going to say, the title of this is Hook, which again presupposes or suggests a different movie that is mm-hmm. the villain. So different. Understanding who the villain is, who Captain Hook is, and what is it like to be an adult in Never Neverland and a pirate and how is that different? But it's just not what the movie is even though he's the title dustin hoffman gives a performance that i don't particularly like uh but it's there and he's got you I know like t- how terrible it is that's t- why i like it <laughs> <is 'cause laughs> i, I had forgotten
2: that it was dustin hoffman as captain hook <laughs> <laughs> i was bad i, form, I, li- I Jason, had to go to form. imdb because i was like who is that yeah, <laughs> i didn't yeah
1: i d- but like, did again, not remember it's not his movie it's peter's movie it's robin williams's movie and yet it's called hook and again i think i think a mistake because if <laughs> there is a movie about captain hook that it's kind of like oh that's kind of interesting right but no yeah. that's not also not what this movie is uh, by the way I, i'm going to say i was saving this for later but i'm going to just say it now there is a different uh movie that is very much a, a I would say very close to hook that I love and has a performance from a classic, one of our, one of America's finest actors in a completely over the top role. Uh, stardust. and it's stardust from 2007 yes. with robert yes. de niro as the pirate captain and <laughs> stardust is the movie i wish hook was but it's not so people who haven't seen stardust go see it it's really go good see it. it's very I very good it. and not just Neil in game and stole it. <laughs> but but it is right like am i wrong stardust reminds no, me of no. hook a lot except it's so yeah. good really much better yeah. but
5: now back to the back to the, the 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 naming of the movie yeah jason my assumption is that some executive went Okay, here's the poster. Now let's make a movie. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And, and it's just
5: the iconography of the hook. And they're like, so when we send it to McDonald's and they make toys, mm. it's going to be like this. Yeah. And the cover the of the super Nintendo game is going to be this. And the shirts are going to be this. It feels like something that, that yep. they went, let's name the movie based on how we're going to merchandise it. And speaking of merchandising, one of my favorite things in the movie that I, I, you know, I didn't think about until I, I was thinking about it through, uh, through an adult lens is when, is when the guy from Peter Banning's company is sent to go and record the kids baseball game. Game. He's using a Sony product placement Sony Handycam, and that's mm-hmm. one of the most hilarious bits of product placement since Minority Report, uh, where <laughs> <laughs> using corporate brands in very prominent ways uh, by people who are sure. are, are are just uh, not not like. using them in an incredibly flattering way.
2: Well, <laughs> um, thinking of the the movie of Captain of Hook as it should be, mm-hmm. I really, really loved and really connected with this watch uh the moment where hook is feeling really grumpy and sad and depressed and all he wants to do is play with his toys look in the mirror plan for the next day and get ready for bed and i felt that deeply (laughs) in my soul
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's been a whole i mean i i my wife is the children's librarian right so she could tell me a, a chapter and verse about this but there is a whole good tradition in recent years of retelling famous stories through the lens of another character and frequently of the villain. I think maybe a good example of that is something like Wicked, right? But like the idea that you take a story you know and you're like, oh, from another perspective, this is really different. And it's just as I was watching and I was thinking, why Captain Hook might actually deserve that treatment.
2: How did he get to... (laughs) Never Neverland. How did I mean? We know how he lost his hand, but ha, uh, so yeah. many things in there. How did the adults get there and stay adults? And yeah. and yes, and I, he's been I there I for like seventy story. years
1: now. And what, yeah. you know,
4: I I I'd, I'd like to point out that a lot of backstory is given to James Hook in the novel, and okay. a lot of interior uh, thoughts. We we get to see, we get mm. to see his thoughts. We get a, a, a mm. kind of a melancholic moment late in the book where he is. He's he feels like he's going to be triumphant over everyone, and then he suddenly thinks to himself, "No child will ever love me." And it's this Aww. kind of this this weirdly uh wow. sad moment in there, and 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 the last line that Barry gives before Hook dies is, "James Hook, thou not wholly unheroic f- figure, farewell." Well, uh, so so, so, they, so it's so just he's... what we've
1: chosen to remember and what they've chosen to adapt <laughs> right, where, from Barry. Yep.
5: Well, and mm-hmm. th- th- there's that Pan movie and not the Peter Pan movie with Jason Isaacs as Hook and Wendy's father, but there was that, that Pan movie with uh, Hugh Jackman as Blackbeard and a a younger James Hook uh, in it that I haven't seen, but I, I imagine explores some of that territory.
0: Yeah.
2: But there's also the Peter and the Star Catchers, which is oh, yeah. a very entertaining uh, play that has a little bit of a story for it, too. But now I need to. Clearly, I need to watch, uh, read Peter Pan and Wendy. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Well, well
4: the, the the thing about Hoffman as Hook is 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 sort of the same thing about um, Williams as Pan. This is that. That, that other thing that was pri- I, I talked earlier about uh, '90s uh, <laughs> know, revisionism. Yeah. The other thing that early '90s gave us was stunt casting, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it carried us all the way through to Jim Carrey as the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, exactly, and it's all it's, it's all about. Tradition. Oh, you know who'd be really great in this role, and it's 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 never anybody who really. I don't know who was doing the casting at this time, but it seemed like a bunch of, you know, third graders sitting around the lunchroom, <laughs> like trying to come up with the, the craziest ideas they had. Nothing. How, how that... dare you?
5: Bob Hoskins <laughs> is a virtuoso in the role of
4: Spade. Oh, and Phil Collins. I mean, time traveling oh.
5: Anthony Johnston. I mean, uh, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. As yeah. Inspector Good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, that um, they had. Uh, um, Julie Roberts make many of the same kind of facial expressions that she made in Pretty Woman as Tinkerbell, which I thought was inappropriate, but there it is.
0: Yeah. Uh,
5: Jimmy Buffett wanted to steal Peter's shoes. Um, David Crosby (laughs) dies uh, after popping up for what you think is a brief cameo at the beginning. Then he shows up again
1: so he can die. Yeah. Um, And then we already mentioned uh, Maggie Smith, who who I'll just
3: so old
1: yeah yeah right can, can we
3: talk about the fact that 20 years before her harry- 56 yeah. in this movie and i was like how she can't what because that makes no sense yeah she's 56 they just aged her up they aged her up yeah. because yes.
1: 10 years the before the harry first harry potter movie um, in which she looks much younger than she does in Hook because they did age her up. I wanted the, the to mention age, the Harry the age Potter makeup is fantastic, and yeah.
5: uh, you know, I, uh, it's amazing that they could do that thirty years ago. And it seems like they they go no, nobody knows how to do that anymore.
0: Apparently,
1: I wanted to mention Harry Potter only because, in addition to Maggie Smith, there is another connection there, uh, which is uh, which is the music is John Williams, and I I tell you there are so many cues in the hooks uh score that are harry potter cues like i feel like uh hook got really mined by john williams for for harry potter they're not quite the same because you know he got paid for two jobs but it's real similar
4: in the opening sequences where uh we we get to learn how what a really bad dad Peter is. Uh-huh. And there's all those ki- those scenes of kids playing baseball. The music just sounds like library music there to me. It's like the worst, the worst, the, 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 it has nothing to do with the action on screen. It's hmm. I mean eventually when it gets to Neverland then it starts to become the John Williams we know and yeah. and, and, and the cues okay. match the So
2: action. here's here's what happened. John Williams was like, I will do this movie, but I'm only doing Neverland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he's I think just, the the music in London is also uh that's that's where I noticed it was like, Oh, I see. It's a Harry Potter, it's the, John Williams music. It's London music, is what it, it is. Yeah, it's to him that's that's what London
5: sounds like. Those that those instrument mixes. <laughs> da, da, that's what da, feels da, distinctively. Yep. Yeah, it it, it feels a little Christmasy, but not exactly not precisely Christmasy. Yep. It, it's it's comfort. It's uh it's comfort atmospherics, uh in 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 the soundscape that that he builds around this. Where yeah. listening to it, I go, this feels very nice, and then I start thinking about it, and I go this is a little repetitive and I feel like I'm being gassed. What's happening? (laughs) A little bit. A little bit.
1: Keep in
0: mind,
1: this is 1991. So this is before Jurassic Park, which is interesting. Um, The other thing... So, okay. The other thing I wanted to mention about this uh, movie beyond the storyline is I want to bring up one of my Steven Spielberg grievances, which everybody's already heard if you've listened to The Summer of Spielberg, but I'm going to throw it out there again, which is Steven Spielberg loves amusement parks and amusement park rides. And I think it, sometimes he constructs things that feel more like rides than like stories, uh, or movies. And hook to me, when we get to Neverland is the perfect encapsulation of that, because this world is a very detailed set that looks like a movie set it moves like a movie set. It Everything you, that you might space out has been pushed together in as high density a space as possible. Um, things don't look real, nor do they look fantastical. They look like they're in an amusement park right down to, um, is it Rufio has the, um, the skateboard track that literally yeah. has a slot in the center of it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's like okay. right out of Autopia at Disneyland. It is, yep. it is literally an amusement park ride. And I get, watching it this time, I thought, okay, well, this was obviously a choice to make something that looks hyper movie set-like, completely, not just unrealistic, but like a fake set and do your whole movie in a thing that looks like a fake set or something you'd find at Disneyland. But to me, it's like, this is Steven Spielberg's dream of of what a, a movie, especially a fantasy movie for kids should be, which is it's really just a ride. And I I hate it. Like, I, I have pulled all my punches with Hook because I don't think this is a, a bad, as bad a movie as I thought it was. I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's a bad movie. But but yeah. the set angers me. The whole art direction of Neverland infuriates me because it is like like this is this is our idea of the ultimate child fantasy is to be on something created by imagineers i mean that's nice and all but could yeah. could our canvas not be broader to think of actually a world of fantasy and instead what we get is a movie set that looks like a movie set because it is it's a movie and this is the set Let me be in
5: conflict with myself like this movie is regularly agree with you and disagree with you. Uh, (laughs) I completely like the thing that drives me like on the one hand, I love the production design. I love the way that the, the Lost Boys Hideout feels wild and weird. I'm talking about the feel, not the way that it's constructed. Because then when I start thinking about how it's constructed, I go, this makes no sense. Not, not even in a, uh, you know, things should be phenomenological and weird and, and wild and that kind of thing. But it's, this doesn't make sense in the world of this narrative. It, it, it looks cool, but when I think about it for a minute... Oh, boy, do I see the seams in all of it? Because I can literally see in some places where I can tell they lay the steady cam track. Oh, yeah. And that's the part that that's the part that gets me about it. Um, but I, I love that everything feels so busy. But when we arrive and never never land on the docks, um, I was like, oh, that's right. This gives me a similar kind of feel to Robert Altman's Popeye. But Robert yes. Altman's Popeye got, did a better
1: job it's got, of it. It's got an actor in common, <laughs> at least. Yeah, the the um, well, like the pirate ship again. We're li- we're going to a fantasy world where pirates are, and when you land, do you get the sense of like, wow, fantasy world where pirates are? No, you get the sense of oh, it's a sh- it's a pirate ship set. I mean, like yeah. I I just I feel no magic in this thing that's supposed to be magical. It feels fake and phony and. I don't know what they were trying to do, but again, I, a, a pirate ship ride is not a pirate ship. Jason, you don't
5: need Disney. We have Sony at home.
3: <laughs> I agree, though, with Jason, because I feel like I could never quite. You cannot absorb yourself into the world because you can't stop seeing it as a set. Yeah. Like it feels like a set Almost that stage-y. I'm visiting. Almost- and it not, felt yeah, like a play. Like, it did feel it like felt a play. Like Pirates I was of like,
5: Penzance. Like,
3: if it was a play and I saw it on a stage, I would probably have been super impressed. Totally. But in this, it's huge. This, right? <laughs> but in this situation, I'm like, I can't stop seeing it as a set and I don't feel absorbed in it.
1: We went to the Harry Potter sets in England and it's the same feeling, right? Which is like Jealous. close up, close up. It looks, it, it's like, it's it's super fake, but like in the movie, it looks like reality and and but this movie it looks like when you're looking at a set it doesn't look like reality or fantasy
2: i think it has to do with the lighting i feel like the lighting mm. is very f- not flat because obviously there's some dynamic to it but it feels very boring you can
1: see you can see everything yeah there, 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 and there you aren't, shouldn't there aren't shadows yeah, and it's and the color is kind of brown. Like I, I, when I was done watching, I read a few contemporary uh, reviews, including Roger Ebert's. And one of the things that Ebert says is, "You get to ne- Never Neverland, and it's like they're having a drought. It's all kind of dark and brown. Yeah. When I expected it to be green and blue and bright and shiny, and and like Oz, and it, it's true. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of drab, and and the lighting is kind of weird. I I agree. The lighting does the set no favors, but I do think I just I feel. Steven Spielberg, um, I felt a little bit of a vibe of some of uh, Temple of Doom, like the, the mine cart ride, which is also an amusement mm-hmm. park ride, where like there are parts of some of his movies where I feel like it is just artificial and he either can't see it or he thinks that's what people want. And I I just think it's, it's a, it's either, so it's either a blind spot or it's just a taste that he has that I reject. But either way, (laughs) this, this movie's just like, once you're in Neverland, you are in literally the Disney corner of Disneyland that is called Never Never Land and you're walking through it. And, and I just, it, I don't like it. I, I think it's a mistake. You talked about rides, and it feels like the
5: lineup for a ride, like Avatar, and not the actual ride.
1: Right. It's the detail that you, when you're standing in line, you have to go through when they're, the animatronics right. make their little things, and mm. you, you're able to scrutinize all the little details. And
4: Right. Well, the, the way that it feels like a ride to me is that everything is so close in. You know, if, if you go through Disneyland, you're going through carefully mapped out corridors that are making the most of a small amount of space. And so it's like around every corner, you come to something new, but there are never any vistas in this film. Everything is, is, is very close up. It's, it's strange to me because this is sort of the last hurrah of practical effects for Spielberg. It it would only be a couple more years until he got into Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park does not suffer from that. Jurassic Park has lots and lots of, uh, long, long shots you know and, and shots across fields and stuff and and the, it's weird and, that and
5: there are practical effects and there. there are animatronics in jurassic park in right. addition to the cg well, right. John,
2: the dinosaurs are larger than the pirates, so clearly <laughs> you have to move the camera back. But yeah, film. Jurassic
1: park got wide open spaces, and this is almost claustrophobic. Everything is pushed. That's sort of what I yeah. meant by it feels like everything's next to everything else. It yeah. is. That yeah. is part of the, John, I, I hadn't even thought about it, but you're right, that's part of why it feels like a theme park, is because what they're doing is they're maximizing square footage in order to cram everything in to give you that kind of feeling as you See? move through the line.
4: Uh, the the thing that, about the the weirdness of the rides for me is that th- there are so many things that feel so artificial. You know, it's it, this is a this is you're expecting to see kids in danger, you're expecting to see daring do, fighting or whatever, but I'm not necessarily expecting to see a kid roll himself up into a literal ball and roll down a (laughs) ramp and knock knock people over like and and the the thing about that sequence is that comes right in the same sequence where rufio dies yeah Yeah. and that's played for pure pathos but uh, immediately after that like okay now a character named
5: Thudbutt does that
4: (laughs) (laughs) right And, and 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 again you know if you go back to the original book there's a lot of death in that book the pirates are dying the uh I, I will not use the the term that Barry uses, the Native Americans are dying in in that in that uh book. There are there's the implication that many lost boys have been killed. But it is understood in Barry that this is a kind of a projection of childhood um id, of imagination. You're never quite sure, you know, it, it all is mitigated by the fact that this is somehow confabulatory imagined space. Here we're supposed to actually mourn Rufio's death, but we're also supposed to cheer <laughs> people rolling over each other, I guess. Right.
1: Yeah. The tone, tone is weird. Um, I thought the deaths and, and their sword fights where um, again, because this is a kid's movie, theoretically um, there's no blood or anything, but like people in the sword fight, people do get like stabbed to death. It's not like they all get bonked on the head and fall down. They get their people get stabbed to death. And then ultimately Rufio gets uh, gets killed um, but you're right it happens right after the I have to I have to point out it's the fat kid who is the bowling ball who rolls down the deck and I rolled mm-hmm. my eyes at that oh, although oh, yeah. although it is really sweet later when he when he is made the leader at the end it was like yeah that kid that kid has totally earned it uh, see it, it's fine all of the the fat phobic
5: stuff that we did it's totally fine because no. we gave him a promotion well, you as love a middle man yeah. you love
1: that kid they're mistreating him but, but you do love that kid that kid is actually I, a lot of fun I lo- in the interaction that Peter
5: has with him I love the way that Robin Williams as a character talks to him calls him thud yeah and you know yeah. uh, not a great name not a great name but... no and,
1: and and the scene and that's why I was mixed I laughed when the kid rolled down well when a a fake thing that was the shape of the clothes of the kid <laughs> yeah. rolls down and mows everybody over I thought all right okay that's weird and kind of hilarious and yet I was also like but uh, of course but it's why? the fat kid who did that right because so it's mm-hmm. also a fat joke that's happening here But, you know, it was one of those moments of like, oh, movie that you try to make me like you, but then I don't think I like you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the very weird. I mean, okay. so the other thing I'll I'll throw out there, too, um, is I I made a note at one point in the flat. There's a very lengthy flashback that's like, remember Peter Pan, (laughs) the book? Uh, And it's got young Gwyneth Paltrow as young Wendy, Mm -hmm. by the way, which is Mm kind of jarring. Um, Trying
5: out her not great english accent and there's
1: a whole so I, I what i wrote down in my notes is this is a really long episode of amazing stories um yeah which i also hated uh by the way i hated amazing stories yeah. i thought that was a really yes. bad tv show for a lot of the same reasons that i just like hook but uh i i had that same thought and and some of it is just the tonal thing like steven spielberger boy he has some really specific ideas of what kids entertainment should be and i don't I don't like them, and I don't agree. So, where does that leave us? I guess. Let's let's see what I I had a few things that I liked that I wanted to mention. Can I do that? Is that okay? Am Ooh, I allowed? Yes, please. Yes, I, I like. I, I have a list of these things as well. I like Rufio. <laughs> I like Rufio. I like I like that Rufio is sort of an adversary until he's not, and then I like his hair. I like that he's got his cool skateboard. I kind of wanted it to be like. We've moved on here since you've been gone, Peter Pan. I have a flying skateboard, but that doesn't happen. But it's it would be cool, and Rufio would do it, and he dies in the end, which is sad. But it's like he go he goes out in a blaze of glory, I guess, kind of, and it's it's fine. I, I no, Rufio had to get shoved in that fridge to motivate Peter yeah, Pan. He, yeah, it's yeah. true, it's true. But he he is a fun character. Um, there's there's a moment where uh, somebody says, "I'm the pan now," and I just had all the Captain Phillips laughs in that moment, like just. <laughs> just i just did on the on the pen now um smee bob hoskins this is two years before he was in super mario brothers by he's, the way. he's glorious he's great he's so good he's great he's great and, and he knows what movie he's in and in fact he is he, i mean against dustin hoffman it's like I'm sorry, he kind of blows Dustin Hoffman out of the mo- water. I mean, Dustin uh-huh. Hoffman was act- asked to give this very mannered and weird performance, and I don't like it. But Bob Hoskins is just doing his thing, and he's great. And there's that moment where Smee's like, uh, What about Smee? What about Smee? I'm Smee. I-, and then he <laughs> just takes, he starts taking all the jewels and he's going to run away. Oh, like, so uh, and then funny. he inexplicably is a guy cleaning up, sweeping up d- garbage in the street in London at the end of the movie. And I can't, again, I can't decide if the movie's like, is it really him? Did he come through? Was it all? I I think the movie doesn't, doesn't live up to that for even a second, but it was fun to see him again. Uh, So I, I enjoy that. I didn't enjoy the fact that Captain Hook, uh, it, has me watch on as he uh holds a gun to his head in the haha funny suicide scene Mm. that i Mm. uh, didn't think was particularly it was real fun it was so funny it was not and my last thing that i wanted to say is that 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 not only do uh, pirates singing uh take me out to the ball game on in never neverland i found hilarious but the fact that when they play the baseball game uh with with certain English actors not knowing what baseball is or how it works, which was also very funny. Um, that the team that is batting that uh, Peter's son is on is literally the Pirates. That made me laugh. I'm sorry, <laughs> I have no regrets. That was pretty great. That's it. That's all I got.
2: <laughs> hey, that's that's a great list, though, Jason. I'm impressed with that list. That's, I that's didn't realize how little Rufio is actually in this movie.
1: Yeah, um, he, he's not he, in it a lot, I, but he's big. He he's such a such big a character.
2: A that yeah, a deep he, impression in my heart that I thought he was...
1: He, he and
5: Smee loom so large that yes. I, I would have watched a Smee movie. I would have watched a Rufio movie.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't like Tinkerbell at all. Mm. I feel like... I, I, it feels like, well, first off, it's got the problem of, oh, what's the movie uh, with Val Kilmer that we watched... Uh, for Killmas last year, the fantasy so movie many. Mm. Willow. 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 Okay, so Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell's got a little uh, Willow problem, that,
0: w- which is that there are several scenes <laughs> yes, where Tinkerbell is
1: Tinkerbell is in a different movie on a yes. different set, just reacting to things that are happening because she's small. That that made me laugh slash roll my eyes. But I just I don't know. I I feel mm-hmm. like Julia Roberts agreed to it because it was Steven Spielberg and. I think she is hung out to dry. I. It feels like she has no idea what she's doing, and it's I, every time she's on screen, it feels like awkward. And that that scene where she is full size finally and kisses Robin Williams, it's like, hmm, no.
3: Can we talk yeah. about this as a super confusing romance? <laughs> yes, yeah. because yeah. it makes no sense. Oh. I was like, um. So are we trying? Well, dismissing the mermaids. Right. Yeah. That's like he, he immediately gets there and makes out with mermaids. Merma- Hello, you're not only a terrible dad. They're giving him air. I guess. Yes. Yeah, sure.
5: They're giving Putting him, him a in a lot shell. Of a lot of air. Lot of air. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and it's not sexualized at all. No, you're a no. bad husband no. as well as a bad no. dad. But then you have this whole weird uh, romance sort of. Trend with Tinkerbell that her little heart is broken and then she gets like into human size just so she can kiss him. And then like, what are you doing? That's just weird. And maybe you should just focus on him getting back to his family and his wife instead of inserting this like longing sad. I don't know. It It just annoyed me.
5: I was more interested in ass kicking Tinkerbell than yeah. than um it, 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 it is a completely confused character motivation where at first it's she cares about Peter and she wants to help him save his children, but no, it turns out that she is a jealous, um, uh, you know always the bridesmaid never the bride uh, who wanted him to just stay with her forever and I guess this but, was a Machiavellian but, plot but, but to yeah. dangle his kids at but, him as incentive to go away to never never land and with then her she
1: reminds him about his kids right so
5: it's like but no it's not actually home it's right completely
3: self-sacrificing Yeah, her she's love. a complete makes...
5: cross purposes she's not an yeah. effective ex machina pixie dream girl uh, she is not an effective I don't
3: it, she's it's just the
2: plot point. They're like, okay, yeah. we got to get Peter into Neverland, and then we have to get him out again. How are we going to do it? Well, Tinkerbell. And
1: literally. then you stunt cast Julia Roberts.
5: We're, we're going right. to we're gonna drop the clock tower crocodile on Captain Hook, and he's just going to disappear, and we'll figure it yeah, out later. And okay. then they didn't figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's that exact same kind of thing where it's like, we're going to just keep using this thing to paste holes in this thing until we're to the end.
0: So
1: I thought, okay, they're not going to kill Captain Hook. They're gonna. They're not gonna have Peter kill Captain Hook, but he's gonna die. So how are they gonna do it? Oh. Oh, it's an alligator. Oh, the irony. He will be crushed under the alligator statue. And the movie's like, no, 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 no. It's crocodile. He's not, he's not going to be. Oh, sorry. Crocodile. He's not going to be crushed. <laughs> there. There. Whatever. They, he's going to stand up. Come and, get me, crocodile. and be
3: absorbed by it. Uh, right.
1: gonna, <laughs> so he, he lands. It, you see it land where the open mouth lands around him. And I thought to myself, oh, I guess he's going to be OK. But then there's the sound of a belch and he's disappeared. <laughs> and like
2: It's magic, Jason. What? It's magic. Huh?
5: jason hold on let yeah, me, let me sorry, try to get the exact I, I'm cad- not, no i'm, I'm gonna t- i want to get the exact cadence of the kid actor i'm not listening. jason oh. believe yeah. you, Jason. <laughs> no, I, I... you know what i will say the food fight the uh, food fight is great the food fight so is pretty good it's pretty, the food, pretty good it, 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 the food fight is pretty good yeah the big swashbuckling fight starts well gets really confused um, and 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 uh, as we discussed earlier, has some really weird detours. But the, the just the straight ups like swashbuckling dueling is delightful, is wonderful. <laughs> but then it constantly gets interrupted by little things that they're like, OK, well, now we yep. have to solve this story thread and we need to do this thing to motivate this person and we need to do this to do this. Um, my and an
1: Spielberg moment there is that there are the they are the very obviously built into the set planks that you can step on that make the other plank on the other side <laughs> pop up so that you can hit a pirate in the balls because that is the height of comedy and I yeah rolled my eyes I mean, at that yes so
3: wah, obviously. Wah, wah.
1: Oh, well, what else? What else should we say about about Hook? I, Bangerang. I didn't know that that was popularized by <laughs> this movie, but oh, there yes. it is. Yes, it was that's where it comes from, huh?
5: Um, mm. Magic clothes. Magic clothes. When he re embraces uh, being Peter Pan. I like that. They just don't explain why he suddenly has, um, you know, uh, gray tights and yep. the, the clothes. They yep. just appear out of nowhere. That, that's one of the things that they don't explain that. I'm perfectly happy that they didn't. Don't and need then, it. Yeah there's there's loads of other stuff that they uh, they they didn't explain that felt like they needed an explanation.
4: Yeah, you mentioned earlier when uh when Peter wakes up and 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 Bob Hoskins is there as this kind of a <laughs> park caretaker. He's he's waking up by the Peter Pan statue in Kensington Gardens, which I I want to point out something here. That's that's kind of smack in the middle of Kensington Gardens. It's a, it's a <laughs> little bit away and I I was kind of wondering why he landed there. What and I also it also was a little frustrating to me because it was once again, what is this movie trying to say? Is this movie trying to say that this was all a dream? Is this mm-hmm. movie trying to say that Peter Pan doesn't exist? It's fiction oh, that he's fictional yeah. in this world <laughs> or he is not fictional in this world?
2: That because... that scene made me question if I had forgotten the ending. <laughs> And but, was like he wakes up and it's all a dream but what? then the movie what? just ignores it
1: after it's over yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's uh,
2: like
5: yeah you if you, th- you think about uh, it too hard and it just kind of uh, falls apart you you think about the set pieces and it, it lives a lot better in your memory for example like the lost boys arming for war what a great sequence uh, so cool them with the cobweb mm-hmm. armor and all that other stuff and and everything and then it it, 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 it Those little signposts are cool, but then when you think about all of the connecting tissue, it all just starts to disintegrate in different
1: places. I think a lesson that I've learned in this journey of the summer of Spielberg is that Steven Spielberg is an incredibly talented director. Shadows, by the way, one of my favorite things in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is my favorite Spielberg movie, is his use of light and shadow. and. Peter Pan story has so much to do with shadows at various points that hook has some shadow gags in it that are pretty good. And like who else, but Steven Spielberg, it's like perfect. Yes. Use the shadows, Steven. Now is your chance. But, (laughs) but he, because he became so successful so soon. And so there's money behind everything he does that you end up in these situations where you have movies there. There are movies that he does to make money or to get cred, you know, credit for another movie he wants to make, and he likes money. He wants to make money, so he makes commercial movies and he makes movies that are more meaningful to him. And sometimes his commercial movies are classics, and sometimes they're cash grabs. And sometimes I'm looking at you, Lost World colon Jurassic Park,
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: but sometimes, like with Hook. It's more complicated because this is like a high concept and they're like, this is this should be a Spielberg, Spielberg movie, but it's like got stunt casting. It feels like the concept came before the script and, not, and it, they spent a lot of money on it and they spent a lot of money on the sets. And like you can see that this is like so much better because it's so well funded and because it's got so many talented people who are involved in it it's so much better and yet it's also i think so much worse and more disappointing (laughs) because it doesn't come from a place where there's real passion for the material it is a commercial calculation and while it's not as big a misfire as some of his other movies i would argue like lost world like ready player one It's still, to me, a misfire because it doesn't come from a genuine place from Steven Spielberg. It kind of comes from a Hollywood deal, uh, you know, a deal making session where Spielberg's like, yeah, I can do kid stuff. I can do kid stuff, but he's not really feeling it. And that's having watched all these movies like I can tell when he's not feeling Mm -hmm. it. And I don't think he's feeling it in Hook. A good a good commercial
5: movie. You can't see it as the set of note cards on a cork board that it is. And this one, you can see all of the note cards you can see like and then and then his daughter comes in and sings a song with lyrics like when you're all alone far away from home, there's a gift the angel sent when you're alone. And uh, and it will it'll have this huge emotional resonance. And then in actual execution, it had absolutely no emotional resonance. Yeah, because you forgot that
1: he had a daughter. Yeah, because she (laughs) disappeared. Because I think I think the movie forgot that he had a daughter. The movie's like, I'm sorry, this is about fathers and sons. Get over there. We've got to get rid of the girl.
2: Too many women in here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. Let's say it live in mermaids. Um,
2: Yep. Uh, The uh, the moms. The moms. All the moms moira and yeah yeah and yeah
5: and uh yep Yep. well and and that that's really to me some of the truest stuff to the source material is that (laughs) females are only moms and girlfriends or potential love interests um i the the as, as as the more i think about it the easier it is to slide into the rough stuff but I think the reason the movie is still watchable for me is that even though I hate the story functional reasons for why Rufio had to die, um, that moment when he dies and says, I wish I had a dad like you, gets me every time. Oh, yeah. Every single time. Absolutely well, destroys it, me.
1: Again, I, I so I'm not it didn't hit me like that because, it, you know, it just didn't. But I I will say this about that moment. That moment feels like it comes from a better movie. That yes, one hundred percent is like yes. is like imagine the themes on display in that moment where this is his successor who has stayed, you know, as one of the Lost Boys, and we've been we've had this whole thing like about Peter Pan, but like Peter Pan is not existing as Peter Pan. He's existing as a dad who has come back to Neverland to save his kids, and if you. And what the actual movie does is he kind of forgets his kids for a long time and then and then figures it out. But in this moment, you can imagine that movie where it's like, oh, Peter Pan returns and he is a father figure to the lost boys. And that's his role now. But, you know, that so it's I get that moment. That's a it's a good moment, but it it just makes me think. That it's a moment from a movie that doesn't exist. Yeah, it, it
5: escaped. Movie. It escaped from an alternate universe <laughs> in, in a movie. In the that better really, version of this. It was great yep. all around.
0: Yep. I mean,
1: and with and lots more scenes with Rufio and his skateboard. By the way, just
0: yes. Clear. <laughs> skateboard
3: basketball, the new
1: sport that's gripping the <laughs> it's, nation. It's It's like a, it's, it's escaped from Space Jam and into Hook. I don't know how that happened. Um, Magic.
3: Uh, what about the ending, though? You have also like I like the ending where you have the he does his little speech. The thing that gets me is all of these people standing up, which in my head is all of the Lost Boys that Wendy has taken in and helped to find places and helped to grow up. And I'm like, oh, this is a really beautiful thing that I am totally surmising because it doesn't really say that uh-huh. except for the fact we have toodles. But I'm like, oh, I feel kind of a pang that Wendy like took care of all these Lost Boys and helped them.
1: Uh-huh. But it's like that goes to my reading of the tragedy of the Lost Boys.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That the Lost
1: Boys should be rescued and not left. (laughs) back
0: in yes. Neverland, yes. right? Well, and,
3: and that's
5: the thing. Again, it's it's it, it, it it's the movie arguing with itself again. Early in the movie, we see Wendy getting cheered for all of these wonderful things that she's done, and then we go to Neverland and uh, a lot of those lost boys that were lost boys and Toodles was a boy are still there. So, Wendy,
1: what the hell? So, you mentioned like, Come on. You mentioned Rufio, uh, we mentioned some of the other lost boys. I'll just say the other movie that I always think of when I think of Hook is The Goonies, which was story mm-hmm. by Spielberg. But it also features a ragtag group of uh, boys. And, Jason, uh, and remind a, uh, me, is there a fat kid in that there one too? It, there is a fat kid in that oh, one. Boy says. Weird. And I don't know. I don't remember if he curls up in a ball and rolls like a bowling ball and knocks people over or not. Uh, but he might as well. It might have been. And of course, it ends on a movie set pirate ship. <laughs> So, <laughs> just uh, not directed by Spielberg, but again, I feel like connected. It's like a little warm up. Go- Goonies was a little warm up for, for Hook. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, again, I I remember hating this movie, and I think maybe I, I just I, I was so aware of that that i i wanted to watch it now with an open mind and i couldn't gin up the level other than for the sets i could not gin up the level of hate that i i had for it in 1991 um i don't think it's a good movie i think it's a mess and like i said i think that it's it's in many ways just an example of steven spielberg's more cynical cash grabby kind of commercial pictures where he knows how to how to you know put a deal together get these stars together we'll get spielberg we'll put it all together it'll be great and um i you know it's just it's not it's it's a mess i'm glad the kids liked it and i'm glad that the that people find things in it to to value about it but especially when you consider that this was made by one of our great directors oh boy
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: just a mess
5: you know, for the, there, are, you know, 12 different ways that you can try to interpret what the message of the movie is, is luck. or is trying to do <laughs> one take, scene take to the next, shot. Pick one. Yeah, um, sure. and, and you know, it is a mess. It is a mess. And yeah. like, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I have my personal nostalgia for it that, um, that is what it is. And I have grown up and I'm many years older now. Um, but the, the thing that, the thing that I enjoy about it as a mess as a an artifact of a bygone era, as it were, is that I see this movie as, as a cautionary tale. This is the cautionary tale that everybody should have listened to 30 years ago that we've seen many, many bits of evidence that some people just did not listen to the lesson of hook um, or the various lessons of hook. Mm. Um, but the the things that the things that I enjoy the most about it as a cultural artifact that because it was a big budget Steven Spielberg movie and is going to continue to exist. Is that there are so many lessons to be learned about creative storytelling from it. Um, and there are parts of it that are a lot of fun to watch. And there are, there, there's a lot, there's a, and, and it's not like in the driest academic sense, things to be learned from it. Um, but it's something that I considering some of the children's movies that come out these days like the boss baby movies that to <laughs> me have an even weirder concept of yeah what they're yeah. trying I, to I wasn't aware
1: of what the concept was until I listened to the flophouse episode about <laughs> it and I could not believe that that was the actual idea for the, the, the boss actual, Baby. Yes. yes yes it is and so so I, I will I
5: will I will stand <laughs> this movie next to the boss baby franchise and uh, go okay boy there are people that
1: went way In the opposite direction of learning lessons from this picture, if you will, Peter returns to Neverland, but now they're all
0: babies. (laughs) (laughs) You just wrote
1: their third movie, Jason. Mm -hmm. Boss Pan, Pan Baby. I don't know.
0: We'll work on it. We'll workshop it. Uh, You know, like that's the thing
5: is, like there are whole scenes, there are moments that I like, but I also like, I I also like (laughs) that there are little one-off things, like you know when Peter and Hook start dueling for one second, there's like this electricity crackle between their swords that we never see anything like that again. <laughs> yeah. It's just thrown in there because it looks there. cool. It's cool. Because why not? It's uh,
1: Hook. I actually, why not? one of my favorite things about, about the, the titular hook is that it's a modular hook system. Yes. And he's got the baseball it's, it's glove, the and he's got the various love. hooks he can put on there. He's probably—it's like a KitchenAid mixer, right? He's probably got a green wheel <laughs> attachment and an ice cream it, made ice and cream maker. And it maker. does take yeah. up an enormous amount of counter space. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, the, all those accessories. Okay, well, here it is. I hope that uh, I hope that people have not uh, like I, I could have been much meaner, and I, I and I wasn't because <laughs> in the end I I don't want to make somebody's childhood uh, movie. Uh, A smoking hole in the ground Even though I can say I think it's a bad movie But I don't hate it like Like I did When I walked out Of the movie theater because uh, I don't know for whatever reason I mellowed as a person, and also perhaps I had expectations when I went into the theater, and I had none Jason. Where's time. your cell phone? I That's had yeah. It's I threw it. Oh no, See? it's worth yeah. so much. Uh, all right, one <laughs> one last time around uh, for final thoughts about Hook and about this whole little journey and revisiting it before we go. I think it's worth one final pass. Kathy, how you doing? How how's it oh. going? <laughs>
2: uh, is this a good movie? Absolutely fricking not. Uh, would I watch this with my child? No, I would not watch this with them. Uh, do I still have these fond memories and thoughts and moments that I've picked from the movie that just are laser engraved in my brain? Yes, 100%. Do There's I still want Rufio's hair? A hundred and ten percent. Who doesn't? Uh, Yeah. The breakout star of Hook,
1: Rufio. Yes.
2: Yes. Uh, So I am here for the Rufio television show of how he dealt with the Lost Boys after Peter Pan left. Mm -hmm. And we could have maybe a little flashback for Hook and his story. Like that is a show that I would totally watch.
1: Also, here's going to be my pitch is nobody really dies in Never Never Land. And so they get reincarnated is not actually or dead. something. He just comes back mm-hmm. to life because they're <gasps> oh, immortal.
2: But this time he has four little mohawks. And so it's a <laughs> he grows a mohawk yes,
0: for every time that's he's died. That, that's
1: <laughs> one of the footnotes is when you're reincarnated, you have more, more mohawks.
0: <laughs> yes. All right.
1: I love it. Annette, how are you feeling about this?
3: You know, until you started talking about this movie, I kind of forgot it existed. And I feel okay if that happens again. Right. Back into the
1: <laughs> back into the mists with you, hook. You know, back in. I didn't
3: hate it. I didn't love it. It just I feel like this movie was not made for me at any time in my life. Yeah. And so I will probably just go back to forgetting about it. And that's okay. It's
1: okay. John, how about you? Having having the unique perspective <laughs> of having just read Peter Pan and watched Sorry. Well, Stephen Spielberg's you know, I, hook. <laughs>
4: I I want to preface with saying I do think people should read uh Barry's novel. I, I don't want to defend that either. There are a lot of problems with it, but it is it is a it is a uh it is a much more nuanced book than people give it uh credit for. As far as uh Hook goes, you know, I had I had forgotten it, but one thing that did happen was while I was trying to remember what movies were um were, were current at the time i saw i was i was like doing the little wikipedia search or whatever for films in 1991 and i see that this was the year that uh kevin costner's robin hood came out so th- things could be a lot worse i think
1: oh <laughs> uh, that's that's fair i was going to mention that um i've never really enjoyed peter pan stories i don't like them i don't i don't like <laughs> the peter pan what about, movie. what
4: about the what about the peanut butter
0: uh, or the
1: bus. Hard no yeah. on the Peter Pan. is terrible. So what about the Disney ride? So, but but I think what you're saying is really interesting. Which is, I don't think I've ever read the novel, and now I'm thinking maybe what I don't like is the flattening of the Peter Pan story mm-hmm. into popular mm. culture products that lose. And I, I get that it's problematic. And again, I mentioned my wife is a ch- children's librarian, and um, you know, they have lots of discussions about inappropriate themes in works that might be available for children uh but but i think that's a really interesting point that perhaps barry's original nuance has been flattened out into this much more simplified version that we all know and that that's not on barry that's on everyone else who came after jm barry um that's a really good point moises final thoughts uh, Jason I'd like to thank you for celebrating
5: the 30th anniversary of uh, of a movie that is oh, unlike man. so many other movies of its type <laughs> thank you for celebrating uh celebrating this um I, the the things that that uh, that, that I haven't uh, you know worn into the ground by now uh, all the way um I think even to fresh eyes there are things in this movie that are interesting that are fun that are, you know are worth, Having watched it, but knowing what you're getting into, knowing that you are not going in for something that through modern eyes uh, is, is going to pass a lot of different tests, not just the Bechdel test. Um, the what I would metaphorically liken it to is that it is this enormous buffet. And, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. That doesn't mean that there's something there for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, it just it, I, you really could do an entire um, semester. Of a college course deconstructing this as an adaptation as big budget commercial movie making as as coming this particular place in Spielberg's filmography this place in the career of Robin Williams and. Um, The most magic that it still has for me beyond some of the things that touch back on things that I responded to as a kid when, you know, you didn't have Netflix and you had whatever VHS tapes were in the house. And this was one of the VHS tapes. And so this is one of the ones that we watched a bunch. Thankfully, we also had the Wrath of Khan. So I watched that a whole lot more. Um, the, The magic of Robin Williams in full Peter Pan mode, with the exception of the really problematic bits. Watching him fly with that look of joy on his face, that is still magical. Um, Some of the stuff that yes, it is quoting from the book, um, but you know, and not all of it quotes the book in in especially compelling ways. um, Some of those quotes are really nice and really good and really resonant. I guess you would say in clip form. Uh, I I think in the TikTok generation, they play really well, Mm. um, much better than the whole two hours and 20 minutes of it. Um, But I think it's especially great when he's, he's running around in the snow and he sees a a small urchin boy and he says, boy, what day is, Oh wait, I'm sorry. That's a Christmas Carol. Um, But that is also, uh, you know, something that they quote when he comes back from Neverland. Um, (laughs) I, I like the things that I can tell are intentional lifts that they didn't necessarily spell out, but I mean, you, you knew what they were going for um, because I don't know. I, I, I think it, 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 um, it, it's nice to see the seams at some points, but when the seams are so incredibly visible, uh, it, it, um, it, it, it gives you a, a, a Snell migraine uh, <laughs> of why is it like this? Yeah. Didn't they have enough money? Um, at all. But the I, money. At, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I will always be a little bit apologetic for something that is um, at least ostensibly, sensibly trying to really push uh, the, the power of believing in one's own imagination. Um, and boy, does this movie get that wrong in a lot of places, uh, but there, there are places where it, where it does a, a pretty serviceable job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm not gonna say very many positive things about it, but I also understand that there is very rarely something that is um so bad that there aren't things uh that you can get out of it. And a lot of talented people were involved in this, and some interesting things are going to spring out of that, regardless. I I do I am reminded of Gene Siskel's favorite line about how uh, there are some movies where you would rather just spend that those in this case two hours and twenty two minutes listening to the people who made the movie talk about. Mm-hmm. anything rather than actually watching the movie. But um again, I don't I don't bear the the malice toward it than that I did before. And I understand the people who have great nostalgia for it. Like I said, there are lots of things. I mentioned Scooby Doo. There are others too. There are lots of things from my childhood that I loved as a kid and upon revisiting as an adult realized are not very good to the point where now I try to avoid things that I hold with that regard from my childhood mm-hmm. uh because I don't I don't want that to happen again. Right. I don't want to you know- don't yeah. want
5: You don't want John Syracuse to ruin I, more. I things. I don't want you.
1: to be told that it's bad, even though it is bad. You know, I just, I, I know it probably is and I don't care. So I, I understand that is a, um, it's perfectly valid to have happy memories of a thing, but I'm saying if, if you've, I mean, if you listen to this, we've ruined it already, but like if you have a happy childhood memory of hook, maybe don't revisit it is all I'm saying. um, <laughs> okay, but it, but I, I feel like we've kind of covered the weirdness of it and why people liked it when they were kids and uh, some of the things about the source material. I hope we did, if not a fair job, because m- I'm not here to be fair to Hook. I'm just, I'm here to give it a little more of a hearing instead of just yelling for an hour about how much I hate it. And I I, I feel like I, I, I sort of did that. Uh, I think you
2: did a great job, Jason. I, I appreciate I, it. I, Thank
1: I, you. I stayed within myself. <laughs> They've got uh, David, David Lowry
5: who did the live-action remake of Pete's Dragon and did the Green Knight movie uh, here recently. He's he's doing the live-action Disney Peter Pan movie, and I, I, I feel good about him unflattening a bunch of stuff that was deeply flattened out of the book in so many yeah. adaptations.
1: All right. That is going to be a wrap for this episode and for the summer of Spielberg. Uh, we'll be back to more of our usual stuff next week. I think there's a new Marvel movie for us to talk about, in fact. So we'll be back with more next time but until then i want to thank my panelists for taking this final journey on the summer of spielberg with me uh kathy campbell thank you
2: bangerang jason Bangarang.
1: <laughs> and that weirds thank you
2: thank you for
3: hooking me in oh
1: no john mccoy thank you hey look i found my marbles
3: <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> say marbles
1: <laughs> uh-huh. you got me moises says on thank you Jason Snell's got kids? It's hard to believe. And thanks to everybody out there for listening and sticking with us to the end. No more Spielberg until, you know, the next time. But until then, we'll see you next week with something altogether different. Goodbye.